don't jump the gun on starting your PCT just because someone has posted you need to start all these drugs after two weeks. Mm. What's going on, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, Dave and I talk with Dr. Dean St. Mark about all things PCT. That's post-cycle therapy. How do you recover your natural testosterone after you've run a cycle? We actually recorded this a while ago. It was right before I got sick and then it never got put out. So I'm pumped that we can share it today. Guys, if you have any questions that you want to ask for the next episode, comment below. Could be PCT related or anything else. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you guys helping us make this thing happen. And thank you to our awesome sponsor, True Nutrition. All right, guys, let's get this thing going. Guys, we have Dr. Dean St. Mart with us today. Um, he has uh, formulated a bunch of different supplements over there in the UK, uh, including Supplement Needs, which we've talked a lot about the products that uh, that, that Supplement Needs carries. Um, and you know Richard Foster too, don't you? Yeah, Richard's a good friend of mine. He's a good friend. We should get together, me and you and Richard, and we could have a show together just talking about Dave for, for an hour. That would be fun. <laughs> that would just sure equate to lots of swearing and comments about me being fat. That would be about the end of it. Uh, well, we thought we'd get uh, Dean on today and uh, just get the, a chance to pick his brain about some stuff. Um you know, we've had him on a bunch of our podcasts. If you guys are just new to our YouTube channel, you may not have seen some of our older stuff, but we had dug deep into things like the uh, quality of sleep and, and what causes insomnia. Uh, we had talked about immune system health. He's created a product for that through supplement needs. Um, I know that you've got a lot of thoughts on PCT, and that's something that we haven't discussed here on I don't think we've discussed it on any of our shows. We might have done it on an audio podcast years ago. Uh, but I thought maybe that would be one thing that we could discuss, unless there was anything else that that, you, that was really interesting to you right now that you were excited about. No, I, I'm still the same as, as ever. I've got a broad, a broad interest still in cardiac health, kidney health, liver health, whatever. Just keep applying, you know, those functional medicine practices to... Uh, to bodybuilders so pct um i'm sure that's probably how i got well known in the first place through uh jordan's forum in the beginning and you know trying to point out how we should approach pct maybe in a, in a better way than, than what's out there so what do you think we're doing people are generally have done wrong when it comes to our approach to pct not not taking into account um the pharmacology the ester is attached to the drugs so it's not really the drugs that you're using are the problem. It's the esters that are attached to control the the rate of absorption and obviously the, the rate of clearance of those drugs. Hmm. So, you know, trying to approach a PCT for enandrolone, decanoe and testosterone enantate cycle might be a little more different to someone who's used testosterone propionate as their main compound. What do you and that's because that? how the... the so if we look at quite simply, I'm sure Dave's talked about this before, you know, half-lives of drugs, how long they, they technically stay within our blood serum? What's the time <sighs> limit it takes for our body to, to clear, you know, half the dose? So if you look at a decanoid ester because of that long fatty acid chain 
that makes it very lipophilic, meaning that it likes to stay in your fat cells. So when you administer that as an injection, it tends to stay in your your cells or stays in the fatty tissue and slowly absorbs out as the ester is cleared over, say, a 10-day period. Whereas propionate, because of the shorter chain, it's less lipophilic. It doesn't remain in the tissue as long. So the half-life of that compound ends up being maybe two or three days. So for the length of time it takes for that drug to ultimately fully clear out of your body, it's going to be a shorter length of time versus decanoate. And what I seen was that guys, go go for it, Dave. I was going to say this is one of the reasons why body fat composition has an effect on uh, drug clearance labs. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and obviously site administration. You know, if you inject into a fattier area versus a leaner area, and why you can get away with you know micro dosing lower volumes into leaner body parts. <clears throat> And then obviously higher levels of adipose and a site can obviously influence aromatase expression. But with, with PCT, obviously I said before on an, an audio podcast, we, we spoke about power PCT and Dr. Michael Scally's protocol that everyone's familiar with. And that's using human chorionic gonadotropin, HCG, clomiphene and tamoxifen or Novidex, whatever you want to call it. So the, the compounds that are, are prescribed to use there are absolutely perfect in how we can understand how the HBTA works and how we can stimulate the HBTA. And HBTA is the human pituitary testicular axis. So that's the cycle of between the, the hypothalamus and the pituitary in your brain, making the two main fertility hormones, LH, luteinizing hormone, and FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone. And they both then have independent actions in your testicles for testosterone production and sperm, uh, spermatogenesis, so the formation of sperm. With PCT, obviously the ultimate goal here is to restore HPTA function and that your testicles are naturally producing testosterone. So uh, William Llewellyn's Anabolics book has an excerpt of, of Michael Scally's protocol, the power PCT. But this is a clear example, like I've said in the past, of Chinese whispers because I think 2019 or 2018 Michael Scally wrote an article discussing that in no case ever did he ever say to use his protocol two weeks after your last injection Hmm. that we should take into account the pharmacokinetics or the pharmacology of the compounds that we're using and then selectively time the use of these compounds and that, that timing of your PCT has led to a lot of heated arguments, you know, online surrounding, oh, well, if we introduce HCG, you know, within two weeks or as soon as possible when we finish our cycle, you know, we're going to lead to better recovery of the testicles because we're helping them to volumize. But if you look carefully, testicular size has no correlation to testicular function. So just because you have big balls, quote unquote, doesn't mean that you have of working adequate HPTA. I did. I thought though, so. Tell me if this is if there's any truth to this. I thought that the 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 bigger they would be though, like if they were atrophied down, that they wouldn't be able to. It, it, nothing like like that aside, it would almost be like now you have less balls to produce versus if they were you know volumized. So, then if they were working right, so, 
then they would produce more. Is that right or no? Not what I've seen from reading the literature. Like there, there's okay. no, you know, there's no real correlation between measuring someone's testicle size and their testicle, their testosterone production. Okay. Okay. So, with, with when it comes to PCT, I think the main sort of thing that I wanted to get forward was patience. Don't jump the gun on starting your PCT just because someone has posted you need to start all these drugs after two weeks. Mm. And the reason why that is, if we're if we're patient, your HPTA is a, an evolutionary process. So provided nothing has happened to the testicles and nothing has happened to the brain, in theory, your HPTA should recover by itself. The whole point of putting in a PCT plan is as a backup to if the natural way of the HPTA producing testosterone doesn't come back online again. So in that regard, are you saying, used... do you, so you're saying that you think that if someone, someone will always recover? Not necessarily, no, but they should allow the drugs to clear first and make a decision based off what their blood work says once the ester is cleared. So if but, how, lo how long after the esters have cleared would you suggest that somebody waits before they implement a PCT? So even if we were to apply the, the general rule of five half-lifes, you have independent clearances in, you know, people have different genetics towards how drugs are cleared. So it's very, you know, yes. an ante is five to seven days. When you look at the literature, certain people can have a clearance of an ante within three or four days. So it is, it is all dependent on how fast their CYP3A metabolism is. Mm. Generally, what I try to do is err on the side of caution and go with the longest length of time. So if it's, you know, mm. if we're going to say that the longest sort of clearance for an ante is seven days, then we wait 35 days or five weeks. And at that five-week mark, do a blood draw and assess total testosterone, LH, FSH, and estradiol. And see what has the pituitary and hypothalamus done in response to the drugs leaving the system. Hmm. So say, just for an example, you, you blood test after five weeks, you find FSH and LH are elevated, but you find testosterone production is still low. Would you then wait longer period to see if they recover, or would you implement a PCT? So in that case, the person has two, two choices. They would not implement HCG because we have... So say, for example, the FSH and LH were back at two. We know the pituitary and the hypothalamus are working in tandem with one another. We're producing gonadotropin releasing hormone from the hypothalamus and the pituitary is responding with LH and FSH production. Mm -hmm. The either, the either can be patient and allow the FSH and LH to raise testosterone by itself naturally, or we go the route of enhancing output of LH from the pituitary with serums. So with, with clomiphene and if needed, maybe tamoxifen. Would you not use now, HCG to speed up the Leydig cell recovery? I guess you could. I guess there's a there is a 
there is an argument that you could use a small dose there. But my my view then with, with HCG is that you can still have uh, potentially increased aromatization of that intratesticular testosterone that could negatively affect the HBTA. But and that was that where was I, I figured... Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say so, that, that's where ran... I figured that... Go Sorry, that's go where on. I figured it's that the, if you... The leggy's if... throwing me. <laughs> Sorry. That, that's where I sort of figured that when you have to implement HCG, that's sort of the only time period where I'd sort of tell someone an aromatase inhibitor is probably going to work in your favor here because that intratesticular aromatization can negatively feed back to the hypothalamus because we know elevated estrogen levels are a negative feedback to the hypothalamus as well. We do, but that's why you run Novodex and Clomid because they will then block the estrogen receptors at the hypothalamus, therefore preventing the negative feedback. Yeah, yeah, that also. So say we, we've got, would you, we've done the five weeks, we've tested, we've got elevated FSH and LH, uh, hormone, would you then give it a longer period of time before you try anything just to see if it would come back? So <clears throat> I don't, what I'm trying to, I don't I, believe I, you should I'm, try. I'm, I'm not yeah, trying but, to, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm trying to just, um, if, is there a time scale that you see that is, is advisory to allow for natural recovery before you start looking at the chemical option? Or, or do you very much leave it up to the individual to decide where they feel they want to go? That 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 was sort of it, what I was looking at. You know, how long would you if you're not going back on cycle and you're trying to recover, I can understand, you know, you could leave it quite a long time before you added in a chemical because you've got no time pressure of you've got another show coming up or whatever it yeah. may be. But I would just, would you leave that down to the individual to decide at what point they introduce chemicals? Or do you have a, a time period that you think is sensible from that point to leave it before you move to chemical assistance? Yeah, my my opinion would be that, that you sort of, you can advise the person, your HPTA is now adequately functioning by itself. You have this option here that we can potentially double the amount of LH through clomiphene stimulation on the, the hypothalamus and the pituitary which in theory by doubling your lh are you going to make more testosterone but possibly if delayed cells are functioning correctly mm-hmm. and we don't have loss of function through one thing that most people don't really pay attention to is oxidative stress of the testicles which ultimately you know causes morphological changes to the delayed cells and that's where we end up a primary hypogonadism where people don't make testosterone correctly at delayed cells. Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, no amount of HCG is going to correct that primary hypogonadism, um, I guess, insult that's happened to those cells as well. But I do I do understand that, you know, by trying to restore late cell volumization, potentially then you have more cells that can produce testosterone. Um, but like you said there... My my opinion towards PCT, if someone's going to do PCT just for the sake of doing a PCT to go back on cycle as soon as they've recovered, I really don't understand the the logic behind that. <laughs> yeah, that. I get your point there. 
in that would you not not to not to promote drug use but i've often said to people running a physiological dose of trt matched to where your hpta runs naturally during your quote-unquote pct or trt phase or cruise whatever you want to call it it's probably going to be healthier to you in the long run than coming off dropping to nearly zero testosterone waiting a period for that to recover have periods where you're going to have maybe hyperlipidemia, where you're producing tons of cholesterol because you're in this very bad metabolic environment. You have potential for insulin resistance because you've low natural testosterone now. You can have incidences of, of metabolic damage because your body's grown accustomed to having a high level of testosterone. That I think that if you're doing a seesaw of cycle, PCT, back onto cycle, you probably for longevity wise, if you take the risk of potential fertility long-term being impacted, it's more possibly the safer option. Hmm. If you're doing cycle after cycle. If you were going to do a cycle PCT, what would you say to the advisable period of time to be off before you would consider doing another cycle? Cause you know, some people may just do one cycle a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a typical full pharmaceutical PCT, say at the end of the five weeks, someone is shut down. We have no we have no response from the hypothalamus. We have no presence of LHFSH or it's very low within serum blood. For them to then recover properly, it could take, you know, 10 or 12 weeks. So you've already got a three-month period there, including the clear, uh, excluding the clearance period, which extends it to four months, where you're going from end of cycle to getting back to normal pituitary function. And I just think it's a little silly that if someone's spent all that time and money on HCG, clomid, the mental side effects of PCT, because obviously clomiphene can be not the nicest drug in certain individuals. No. Yeah. <laughs> that... You, you, you've spent, you know, maybe seven or eight weeks taking clomid, feeling very poor in yourself and mentally poor, have quite disturbed sleep that you now want to go back on having gone through this rough period that you could have completely avoided in the first place by taking a, a sensible approach to the use of, of testosterone replacement therapy. Trying to give it think- a time I was just going to say, given a time period that how long you'd stay off versus stay on, I mean, to be honest, I couldn't really say, you know, 10, 12 months. Could that seem logistical of, of stay, being on and then being off for 10 or 12 months, going back on again? But then you're going back to the same cyclical approach of being on for part of the year, being off for, you know, a chunk of it, running your PCT, waiting going back on again, like long-term, what's the sort of gain you're getting from that sort of seesaw? So what's your thoughts on... We might have lost um, Dean. I think we might hmm? have lost Dean. I was just going to ask him what's his, his thoughts on, on long-term uses uh, then resulting in, you know, a, a TRT dependence. Yeah, I mean, we could just act like he's still here. He's like, you, we got his picture here. <laughs> we could just be like, hey, guys, we got Dr. D, and he's just thinking about his next thought. 
don't know, man. 10, yeah, 12 no. months off. That's a long time off. Like, would you really even make any I, progress and be able to hold it, you know? I I disagree. I understand Dean's principles. I understand his timescales. Um, I don't agree with everything. I mean, we agree on the basic function of the drugs that you use and how they're used. Yeah. I, I, I just think that there's other ways that they can be implemented. Um, I mean, he's right in considering clearance times when you're looking at starting PCTs and stuff like that, without doubt. Yeah, um, we we agree on that. We just have a, a differing opinion on timescales. I think is probably the, the the main point, and whether you can overlap, which I feel you can. He doesn't feel you can. Well, well while we wait um, for him to call back, I got this little filler for us. Fuck off, Scott. <laughs> so I was interested to to, to see oh, there he is. how he stood with with you know time off against time on and stuff like that because obviously his approach is is a much lengthier recovery period. Yeah, uh, and like he says, he doesn't really. He's he's off and stay off. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we got you back. He's Sorry back. about that. Stupid internet. It happens. I I hear that the in case you guys couldn't tell by Dean's accent, he's calling us from Ireland. So we've got Ireland, we've got uh, UK, uh, specifically Yorkshire. No, Yorkshire, Yorkshire, not Shire, you dumb American. I, hold son. on just a second here. Dean, settle this for us. Am I saying this right? Yorkshire. Yorkshire. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Thank you. There. I knew Dean was going to side with you. I got to get. Uh, I got to get someone else on here. Someone else. The, the, the Shire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Shire. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave, what were you going to ask? The Misty Mountains. Dean? You were going to ask Dean. No, about... was, I... Yeah, go ahead. I the reason I was asking was because obviously your your PCT approach is quite lengthy, in in yeah. quite strong contrast to Scally's, which is quite compact. Hmm. So that's why I was asking yeah. what you felt about people coming on and off and stuff. Is it was because um, of, of obviously if it's such a lengthy process, then like you said, that the old adage of on off cycle doesn't really work. If you approach PCT in that way, um, yeah. I mean, now, I don't think we, we have any. What I was going to say is the way I put it is Scally's protocol is perfect. If you follow what he says between the two thousand I use of HCG every other day and the use of the tamoxifen and the use of the clomid after the HCG, that's perfect. But my opinion is. Why would you run that when your HPTA is technically still shut down if there's exogenous hormones still present? Hmm. Because Don't you're just you feel putting, you can, you're putting something in. Well, Scally's approach, if I, if I remember, if I get this right, is that the HCG is there to recover Leydig cell integrity. That's the whole idea. He runs HCG is he feels that's the bottleneck of recovery is the fact that the Leydig cells just aren't capable of producing enough testosterone, and so therefore. Yeah. A recovered uh, FSH and LH level of, you know, two, three, four isn't going to be enough to stimulate the down regulation Leydig cells back into action. So, but yes. he, he, if my understanding is right, believes that you can still recover Leydig cells in the presence of elevated testosterone because the Leydig cells will recover in the presence of HCG irrespective of what circulating testosterone levels are. So the idea is that yep. you have an overlap where you've got declining testosterone levels, 
and you've got recovering Leydig cells, and then you don't add in the um, pituitary support from Clomid and, um, and Novadex until the exogenesis level is down, going towards bottom end of range, but that you are still yeah. going to pick up some recovery, even if test levels are in the, the low numbers, so 8, 9, 10, 12, because there's still a ceiling above that in which you can operate to start to recover your own levels. So it makes it much more compact and it overlaps. Whereas you prefer the bottom it and then decide where you go from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think because the reason why I say that is because the patient approach of waiting for the drug to clear, mm -hmm. assessing your blood work at that point, you may have recovered and you may not need pharmaceutical intervention. Hmm. Have you found many people I, that have recovered naturally? Yes. No kidding. Yes. Okay. Quite a lot. Quite a quite a lot, and this is why I I sort of drawed this opinion was that say you're you're in this case say someone has allowed the drug to fully clear, and I, I have a couple mm -hmm. of case studies here, first and second cycle, sixteen weeks in length, they allow the drug to clear, and within five weeks post cycle, surprisingly their LH and FSH are back in the fours and fives, and their total testosterone is back in the mid teens. And you're sort of looking at it going, as soon as that drug left their system, the Leydig cells, the hypothalamus and the pituitary all sensed low hormone environment, let's hmm. fire things up. And what is the longest experience user you've found that has recovered fully naturally? The, the, so as in time on, like the, the longest user? No, as as in, so you said that was, a, you gave an example there of someone who'd done one or two cycles. Yeah. Um, so uh, have you found someone who's done five, six, seven cycles recover naturally as well? Or have you found they've always needed assistance? No, no, no. So I helped, there was, there was one IFBB pro that I helped them with their, oversee their blood work like that, decided that they were retiring hadn't been on for mm -hmm. five or six years. And the same principle applied. We allowed the drug to clear. So they were running a, t a very low TRT dose of tests. And at this point, they had a sudden change of mind that that's it. I'm coming off gear. I'm retiring. I don't want to be using any of that sort of stuff whatsoever. Mm -hmm. We allowed the, the drug, we allowed the TRT to clear. And same story again, their blood work came back with uh, TT obviously was low, it was at nine and their FSH and LH were back at 2.5 and three. Hmm. In that case, if we had have said, right, let's throw in HCG and, you know, tamoxifen from the very start with the overlap, we might not have had that smooth sailing recovery. Hmm. And just that by allowing the drug to clear, I think you can then make a better decision based on what your blood works telling you that, okay, my HPTA is shut down. Yes, I've wasted five weeks, but I now have a clear answer on my pituitary isn't functioning. So we've got, you know, the cause of secondary hypogonadism there. I'm, I'm not making any testosterone, obviously, with my testosterone in the gutter. Mm -hmm. At that point, yeah, work away. Start using TRT, no, I'm sorry, PCT compounds to get total testosterone production back up and running. Yeah, that, that makes uh, like sense. Like, all I want to do is just using that patient approach rather than jumping the gun. That's the only thing that I think. Yeah. I've got no problem with the, the the logic of the compound selected or anything like that. Yeah. I just feel like if you're patient, your your HBTA has been designed to to basically perform a function that 
when it has it's presented with an opportunity of low hormone environment with nothing exogenously present obviously if estradiol was sky high there's potentially then you know in that part of where we allow the drugs to clear that high estradiol might inhibit gonadotropin releasing hormone secretion mm-hmm. well even and yeah, I and too. even you've touched on it. I was going to say, Dave touched on it before. Like we're starting to understand um, the neuronal kiss peptins hmm. and how they influence how the, the hypothalamus secretes gonadotropin releasing hormone as well. Mm-hmm. We uh, we never got we didn't get into that a ton, did we, Dave? We had somebody ask us about kiss peptin. Yeah, we we just covered the basics of it, but we didn't go into it in any major detail. Our, our normally our level of, of technology is a little bit lower. <laughs> we keep it simple. We got, we got Dean bringing us up a couple notches today. I guess I, I get it. I feel like, you know what, too? So if I were someone who came off between cycles, um, if I were to give that a try and be like, I'm just going to let everything clear. If I were to still crash, at least... I could probably use that as information for the future. Like if I'm somebody who's not recovering, then in the future, maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe it would be different depending on the cycle I ran. But if I found out like, let's say, okay, Hey, I do have the opportunity. I'm going to recover on my own. Then that would help me for future cycles to know, give myself the time versus if I were someone that's like, man, it's just not kicking back on. I might know that, Hey, I could preemptively maybe start PC PCT, would you would you agree with that? Like, you know, if if you found that you don't recover post cycle and you've tried this, would you then just go to using PCT regularly more quickly, or would you give it a chance every time? No, I'd say in that case, yeah. Like if if say you you done this on your first cycle and you went right, I'm going to let this all clear, and you didn't recover. Well, and chances are probably for your next cycle, there's low probability that you're hypothalamus is going to respond naturally yeah so yeah you'd probably be anticipating pct yeah how do you feel about the health impacts of and i know this is an incredibly disputed area um the health impacts of long-term trt use so yes depending on where you run your trt and where your genetic baseline is Let's assume they're running it within reasonable range. So they're, they're staying, they're not going to the biological at any stage. They're being very sensible about their approach to TRT. There's this, 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 this seems to be an ongoing argument within academics for literally decades about is there an increased cardiovascular risk or is there not an increased cardiovascular mm. risk? Um, does the yeah. fact that you're on TRT mean that you're going to have increased cholesterol levels and therefore an increased cardiovascular risk from that point of view? Uh, and this seems to raise back and forth, study to study, you know, oh, this one proves it, or oh, this one disproves it. I just wondered where you stood on that in yourself. So I think an intelligent approach, like we've said there, towards TRT, possibly you may lose some life expectancy, how long? I couldn't really say because we have to no, take into account. We have to take into account where your baseline testosterone was before you used TRT. And a mm-hmm. simple example here would be: say that person's natural baseline of testosterone was nine nanomolar, 
if we administered a TRT dose of, say, I don't know, 100 milligrams per week, and that yielded a, a 22 or 25 nanomolar result, you've, you know, two and a half, multiplied their testosterone by two and a half, basically, you've doubled what they're making naturally. Hmm. Now, is that going to cause influences towards cells in their body? Possibly, because at the end of the day, when you go on cycle, the whole point is to manipulate your testosterone above what your physiological capability is. Mm-hmm. So someone someone who's running TRT, whose baseline testosterone might be 10, and they're running TRT at 25 nanomolar, are they at long-term risk? Possibly, because of, again, their, their physiological processes will have been at a rate that depended on that 10 nanomolar throughout their life. And what I mean by that is their genetic expression of hepatic lipase might change. And that's what degrades HDL. Hmm. So that person who's now running TRT at 25 nanomolar may now have reduced HDL compared to when they're at 10 nanomolar naturally. Now, is that going to give a picture towards having a, a, a myocardial infarction, you know, like a heart attack or cause any cell changes within the the cardio cells I couldn't say but logically I was going to say we we, we would expect hepatic lipase expression to change what would you say is is uh, this this is nothing to do with PCT this is just more a general as you being a doctor um, there's a lot of people that feel that the NHS is very unsupportive of people that have low testosterone uh, and yeah. that the cutoff point is is potentially too low. What, <laughs> what level yeah. would you say, and I know symptoms play into this massively, but yeah, for argument's yeah. sake, what level would you say, if I, if someone came to you and said, right, I feel low, I don't feel myself. I'm gaining fat. Um, what level would you say you would consider treatment on their test level? So would you say if somebody was eight and below, you'd consider treatment or would you want it lower than that? Or would you work at a higher dose or would you be very much a combination of what, where their level is and what their symptoms are? I'd be more on online with where their symptoms are, because I think how we should be, prescribing hypergonadism is based off um, a clinical set of symptoms as opposed to a defined level of total testosterone or free androgen index. In that, you okay, know, if someone so... presents with, we, we have a list maybe of six or seven main symptoms. And if you're hitting, you know, three or four of these without any under underlying root cause, like, you know, what ends up happening is most guys will go to their GP and they'll say, I feel low. Instantly, what's thrown at them is antidepressants. Oh, you're depressed. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, to- they're, they're testosterone. Or one thing that we fail to really uh, you know, appreciate is 5-alpha reductase. They could be going the complete opposite path of 5-beta reductase, where they're, they're, they're making you know less androgenic forms of DHT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you have a scenario where this person isn't as androgenic as they should be. And that itself will bring hormonal impacts towards, you know, mental health, strength, mm-hmm. recovery, sleep. 
and you won't ever see that being clinically diagnosed because how how to do that is quite expensive. You're sort of looking at a dry urine test analysis of seeing it, the, the rates of expression of 5-alpha and 5-beta reductase. Hmm. And it's something as simple mm-hmm. as that. How do you correct that? Can, do you give a DHT derivative, something like Proviron, to try and help with providing a source of, of DHT to the body? Or do you start looking at the adrenals and how the adrenals are functioning? Like, I think, you know, yes, a lot of guys have suboptimal testosterone levels, but before even the prescription of testosterone, even getting a deeper understanding of lifestyle may help to correct that hypogonadism symptom presentation before you start going the route of hormonal issues. Hmm. But I had to laugh. I had to laugh because I had a a constant... I had a consult recently and Eurofins in the UK, the, this gentleman was, was a little older. He was in his, his late 50s. The range for that age group for testosterone was going down to 6.1. Yes, they've changed it. And 25 is a peak. And, yeah, and I'm sort of looking at it going, oh, okay, so we're, we're now saying that 6 nanomolar for a late 50-year-old is clinically acceptable for to have healthy testosterone levels as we're heading into this sort of disease span you know region of our life where in fact we should actually be going okay now is the time to maybe manipulate hormones a little bit to extend your lifespan Hmm. yeah they've they've changed the hormone ranges now so they are age specific as well so like you said in older (laughs) gentlemen they have a lower bottom end threshold is there, a, is there a level that you would not consider TRT at? So say someone was sitting at 12, would you say, right, that's too high to consider TRT? No, no. 12, 12 I'd, I'd, I'd consider I consider it a discussion. Um, okay. You know, if someone came to you and you had a test level of 21, 22, and said, I want to go on TRT, like, they're the, people I, they're, <laughs> they're the people I sort of look at and go, why do you want to use TRT for, like, or why, why do you want to go the route of testosterone supplementation when you've got, you know, more than average testosterone level? And again, unless there's something seriously wrong with your 5-alpha reductase expression where you're not getting enough DHT, you know, again, you're going back to this other problem it's not your testosterone level that's causing the issue yeah. we have we have no. this lack of androgenicity mm-hmm. and then obviously you know you're, you need to then start looking at estradiol and estradiol metabolism you know there's there's so many ways to approach this that i just i just laugh at how this sort of area of endocrinology within public health is is approached like it's almost like doctors are afraid to actually view testosterone as a therapeutic Hmm. and yet as a female if i ring the doctors and this is quite literally what's now happening if i ring the doctors and say i've got symptoms of menopause i'm prescribed hrt over the phone yeah yeah but i can go i can go in with a test level of 8.2 and be told i'm not clinically low (laughs) in fact i know a guy that went in with a level of 2.4 and explained to the doctor, uh, this was a few years ago, this one, but this gentleman had done a PCT, he'd failed to recover, so he decided he was going to use treptorolin. 
he hadn't <laughs> recovered on 200 micrograms, so he decided he was going to whack 10 milligrams in. Whoa. Oh, God. And that can, that can cause, uh, like, a complete shutdown, right? Well, the only test yeah. he had available in his body was adrenal. He, he was down at adrenal levels only. That's the only thing in his body that was making testosterone was adrenal glands. He went to the doctor, and the doctor said, come back in a year. Oh, my God. And he was 22, 23, so he was a young lad. It wasn't like, you know, this was someone who was in the 60s. And, you know, he was a very, yeah. he was still a very young lad. And, yeah, the, 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 the doctor turned around and said, come back in here. Hmm. And he even explained yes. what he'd done to himself. You know, he even, he was quite open and honest with the GP about what he'd done. And it was just like, and unfortunately, those stories are all too common. Hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I appreciate there's... Um, there's an element of how much burden we do we put on the NHS for people that have damaged their hormone systems themselves. Hmm. Yeah. And, and this, yeah, this mean, goes I, back to the obesity, you know, it no, goes back to the obesity say, argument. Do we, do we treat fat people? You know, it's that sort of problem, isn't it? It, it really does become an ethical issue. I mean, I, I remember we had the discussion at body power a couple of years ago and I was saying to you, you know, I think in the next 10 years, there is going to be an epidemic of mental health issues from hmm. bodybuilders who have abused steroids and not realized hmm. they're neurotoxic or taken measures to preserve their mental health. I um, had somebody contact me last week who is actually the first person I've heard of as being diagnosed as having effectively Alzheimer's. Uh, due to his anabolic use. This is what the doctors have, have declared has caused his issues. Okay. It's the first one I'm aware of. There may be others, but it's the first one I'm aware of, definitely in the UK anyway. And I completely agree. Um, in Blood's department, we're now seeing probably one in four, one in five users coming through our doors with noticeably reduced kidney function. Um, I think we're going to see much more renal problems. As you know, I suffer with renal problems. I use two of your products to help that. Um, and I, I think we're going to see an upturn, like you say. And I think this lockdown has exposed the the yeah. fragility of, of the user community when it comes to mental health. Hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it's quite scary that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy the gym like the next person. But it's not an necessity of life. And it's quite scary how much people are um, really, really struggling with the fact that their access to a gym has been restricted and, and how they're really struggling to just function in a normal way. Uh, and, yeah. and there was uh, Katina or Katinka did a, a, a study. I don't know if you saw it. It got shoved out last week. Uh, that she was looking at the effects on mental health of lockdown hmm. uh, in the bodybuilding community, uh, and she uh, she reported that there was a drive down in usage. Yet every lab I've spoke to has turned around and told me it's business as usual. No kidding. So why yeah, is that. why is the population user population still going bang at it? Yeah. If they sat in the bedroom with a set of bloody bands, it doesn't make any sense. But it's that that dependency, that clinical dependency, um, you know, yeah. psychological dependency on on that their identity is based on their image, which is based on their drug use. Hmm. Was I mean, I think Hope said, sorry, Hope Pope, 
said that about a, he didn't. I think he came out with a study saying about eighty percent of users would end up dependent either physically or, or psychologically from their steroid use. Yeah, and yeah, that's that the that is it. That I mean, that's where as a drug user market, the steroid user market is so different to recreational drugs because it grows and it keeps growing. Whereas recreational drug use will tend to new people will feed in at the bottom, but old people will drop out at the top as their lifestyle changes. So, you know, yeah. as they settle down, have kids, they stop taking Coke every weekend. Not everybody, obviously, but you see that drop off of recreational drug use because you settle down, you get into a family. You don't see that with steroids. Hmm. They'll either continue no, to no. use at a cycle level or they'll come to use at a therapeutic level. And it's just growing. Yeah, and and that, that's sort of then where the, the ignorance is bliss, where a guy is sort of abused in their 20s, heads into their 30s, decides to come off, disregards what they've done in their 20s towards anabolic usage, and then has a heart attack in their 40s in front of their kids. Hmm. That. You know, it's 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 one it's one of these scary things that you get away with a certain level at the start, and then you know, but the long term impact eventually catches up with you. Yeah, uh, and I think the one of the big problems we have in this is we don't have any accurate way of recording data, because if I present to the the an emergency service to the, to the medical emergency services with a heart attack. They're not going to say, "Did you take steroids when you were 25?" So, no. and people are also very reluctant to admit their uses to medical professionals because there is such a stigma now uh, and such a, a concern of bias regards how medical professionals will treat a user that there's, the links just aren't made. So, you know, we could be having literally tens of thousands of people present at an A&E every year because of issues with steroid use that we are not aware of because they're treated for the symptoms rather than the cause because they're not aware of the cause because they don't declare their usage. And as a result, yeah. we, we have very twisted stats on, on how impacting to health steroid use is. We just don't know, is the bottom answer. In that sense, we know yeah. from studies, but we don't know the real world implications because we're not seeing it because it's just not recorded. It's never really, it's not recorded in patients. <laughs> and then yeah, you are reliant, like when you when you go back and sort of look at the the case study reports that are published in the literature, they're like the most extreme cycles that have been used where they're reporting on like kidney failure of it, acute you know acute kidney failure in a quote unquote recreational bodybuilder, and you look at a cycle and go like, well, that's sort of like Olympia level athlete, not your mm. average Joe So that's you know taken well, taken ill. Yeah, <laughs> You do see some scary cycles, though, at some very low levels as well sometimes. Well, anyway, that, that's I it, need to I mean... go for a pee. All right. Yeah, let's, we'll wrap up here. This is a good spot to, to end things. Uh, before we go, though, Dave, I wanted to try to get some uh, Irish, uh, some learning Irish, learning English, learning <laughs> Irish English. How about that? Uh, so... We've had this segment, uh, Dean, that we call like basically it's like like learning English with Dave. So Dave's been teaching us English. Uh, I, we thought we'd have an opportunity to get some Irish slang from you. So I know I asked you ahead of time. I wanted you to come up with something, something that we probably don't use. Dave might know it. I don't know. But what, what do you got for us? What's like a good 
Irish term that that you guys it's just like to you. Feckin' Egypt. Wait, feckin'? I know that one. Feckin' Egypt? Feckin' Yeah. It sounds like fucking idiot. That's pretty much what it is. (laughs) But but it's in like a typical leprechaun way. Are you feckin' Egypt? (laughs) I like that leprechaun way. Isn't it almost a term of endearment, to be honest? (laughs) Yeah, you know, know, like if you say to someone, oh, you're a fucking idiot, it's a really like coarse way of attacking someone. Yeah. But like, say someone trips and falls and like, say someone's drunk and stumbles and falls at a party, you go, are you feckin' Egypt? I like see. it's sort of like a, it's like a brush off way. It's not really that insulting. It's not as harsh. It yeah. softens the blow, doesn't yeah. it? It definitely softens the blow when you yeah. say it with an Irish accent <laughs> and you say it like that. I agree. <laughs> How, can you say that, Dave? I want to hear you try. No, uh, my accents always end up <laughs> sounding like Asians. To me, well, it sounds like what feckin' idiot. Is that right? Feckin' yeah. idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It's Egypt. more e e okay. Egypt Egypt but, Egypt. All right. Every time I try an accent, I end up sounding like a Pakistani. So uh, I just don't do accents full stop. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, we appreciate everybody who's been watching. And Dean, we appreciate having you with us. Uh, if anybody wants to to follow along with the stuff you're doing, um, I know they can go to, is it supplementneeds.co? What's the website? Yeah. .co? .co.uk. Okay. Okay, cool. And uh, what about if they want to follow you? My Instagram is uh, Dean SDM. Okay. So we'll have that down in the show notes. And of course, check out crosslands.org.uk. And uh, like I said, reach out to Dave. Give him some shit. Give him an inflammatory message. (laughs) We didn't get to all of our questions today, guys. We'll save those questions. We'll get to them on the next episode. We appreciate all you guys watching. Um, If you're watching this far into the show, you probably already subscribed. But if not... Hit the subscribe button. What is, what is that sound? What is that? It must be that my wife. It means it's time to go. Office. It means it's time for <laughs> yeah. us to go. All right, guys. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. We'll see you soon.